Coming up, friend of the show, Matthew Newton, has a great conversation with a nurse practitioner who has three short-term rentals and is starting her own boutique property management business for short-term rentals. This is the first of two parts, so let's dive right in. Welcome to the Plan B CRNA podcast. I'm your host, Bobby Jones, and I'm so excited that you're here. The Plan B CRNA podcast is the only show made specifically for nurse anesthetists who are exploring options outside of their traditional career paths. This is the place to expand your mind and your goals as we uncover new ways to produce side income together. Join me for some honest, unscripted discussions with other CRNAs who are transforming their financial lives. This episode is brought to you by On Call Capital. On Call Capital is dedicated to educating CRNAs and other healthcare providers about investing outside of the traditional stock market. On Call Capital also provides opportunities for you, yes, you, to create passive income and generational wealth while also lowering your taxable income through investments in the apartment and alternative investment spaces. If you haven't hit subscribe yet, make sure you do that right now so that you don't miss an episode. Thanks so much for joining me today. And now on with the show. Welcome to a provider spotlight episode of the Plan B CRNA podcast. Today, my guest is a family practice nurse practitioner who hails all the way from Atlanta, Georgia. She's been a nurse practitioner for the past six years. Before that, she worked in the fast-paced world of emergency room nursing. She currently owns and manages three short-term rentals in Pensacola, Florida. She's a married mother of two wonderful children and a practicing clinician. I'm proud to introduce you to Naomi Morrison. Welcome to the show, Naomi. Hey, Matt. Thanks for having me. I'm happy to be here. Well, it's, it's great to have you on. You know, I, I want to jump into my, my first exciting question I always like to ask everybody is, why do you do what you do? You have a fantastic career that provides well for your family. Why did you decide to get into rentals? What's your driving force, I guess? Like, so what's your goal that makes you do all, everything that you do? So we really have that kind of buzzword financial freedom. That's that's our that's our goal. We want to get to a place where we're not relying on the nine to five rat race. As much as I love my career and healthcare, and my husband kind of works in sales and totally not healthcare, we want to end up you know having not to do that for the rest of our lives. And and I I want to keep a pulse on it because I absolutely love healthcare. It's my passion, but. We have uh, a rich life with friends and family and travel, and we want to be able to focus on that more than, you know, the nine to five. I like it. Sounds very similar to my my motivations. <laughs> so, you know, we have a lot of financial gurus and, you know, fancy finance plans and people coming on here talking about all these things. You know, one of the things that, you know, kind of struck me when we originally talked was you mentioned the FIRE movement and that leading you to your path to financial freedom. Can you explain the FIRE movement a little bit? So I originally heard about the FIRE movement in college on my um, undergrad degree. So it's financial independence, retire early. And I feel like I really clicked with that because I always wanted to be a nurse practitioner, even when I was a, a registered nurse, because I wanted to not just make more money, but but grow. And so I started learning about other ways of investments and you know making your money make more money for you. And that's kind of what the FIRE movement is about. It is exactly what it sounds like. Retire early, yes, but also not really fully retire. Like I see myself in my 50s and 60s working a couple hours a day, maybe, you know, continuing to kind of ride out those investments. So that's that's really the the fire movement. And then our 
our driving force is the family and friends that we talked about before. So it all kind of goes together. Like, how can I spend more time with my family and friends and travel? The fire movement is what really is getting us there. It's funny because you talk about like never really fully retiring. And, you know, I'm I'm probably in the same boat with you on that because I think I would be bored, I, you know, to, to not have anything to do. You know, it, I think it would be, you know, it would be, it'd be hard for me. So like, cause I'm, I'm a big family person. Like I want to spend as much time with my family as possible, but I love having a project. Yes. And it's something about kind of our, our generation of entrepreneur, you know, we're, we're hardworking, you know, we want to, we want to succeed, but at the same time, you know, you, you can't just turn everything off. Like even after, you know, I get to the point in my life where I stop looking at my bank account on a weekly basis. Right. Um, I think that's what we all want. Yeah. I'm still going to be like, all right, well, now that I'm at this point where I'm very comfortable, you know, what's the charity I'm going to focus on? What's the, what's the next projects? I think I will always personally have a project very similar. For sure. And, you know, I, I see like the generation before us was more, okay, we're going to work this job. We're going to have our retirement and that's going to be that. And I just want, like, I have always seen myself like moving through different careers, being dynamic throughout the years and, and having different ways of making income. And it's very different than the prior generation, but it's it's more exciting to me. So And, it, and it's fun, you know, it's fun yeah. to have that plan, that business plan, and just put it together with your spouse or your business partner, execute it and watch it succeed or fail. You know, it's, it's, yes. it's, a, it's a blast. <laughs> yes. Even with the failures, it's still fun and we're learning all the time. We learn so much from our failures. <laughs> uh, so, you know, from our, our conversations, you know, you were, sounds like when you were one of the earlier adopters of Airbnb, not just as a host, but as somebody who went and used the, like kind of the first iterations back in the day, what was it like, I guess, using Airbnb when it first started and having people kind of come stay in your house, renting out a room? Do you need to have a certain amount of space to rent out? Or, I mean, like, is your... Is your husband brushing his teeth and you have a, a renter walking in, you know, asking to borrow some toothpaste? Yeah. So I think we, on our honeymoon, you know, back, we got married kind of young, mid twenties, didn't have a lot of money. So on our honeymoon, we got to experience Airbnb for the first time. This was 2014 when there wasn't a whole lot of Airbnbs where you're staying independently. You know, there was VRBO, which was always the vacation rental, not in someone's house. So this Airbnb concept was really new. And we found this uh, awesome Airbnb in Costa Rica, stayed with this girl like in her, we had a private bathroom and a private bedroom, but otherwise we were all in each other's space, but it was our honeymoon. So it was hilarious. And we like, she took us out to dinner and she took us to her choreography, like dance class that she did. And uh, granted it was all in Spanish, but it was awesome. And so we figured, you know, how can we do this? So we decided to take a leap when we bought our first townhome in Charlotte, North Carolina, where we were living at the time, and had three stories, this beautiful townhome, really close to downtown Charlotte, just a great central area. And for the first like six months, my husband, Ryan, was like, we got to do that Airbnb thing. We got to do it. We got to do it. And I was like, no, I don't want somebody to get our house. And I was like, yeah, but we had such a good time on our honeymoon. Like, we could do this. Let's just see how it goes. We can always stop, right? That's that's. I think that's how everyone first gets into whatever it is. Like we can always backtrack if it doesn't go well, but it went really well. So they basically rented the third floor, private bath- bathroom, private bedroom, but they did have to have a shared access. So they would walk through the kitchen, up the stairs, you know, the whole shebang. And at first it was a little sketchy, like made me nervous, but honestly, they're all good people. They're just traveling. They want a cheap place to stay. Most of them were younger-ish or even business people that had, you know, taken advantage of finding a cheaper place to stay. So it was both scary at first, but it became fun in the end. But that was our first property. Of course, we've kind of grown since then. So, 
Well, so what was it, I guess, was it fairly profitable? Were you, were you doing it to just earn extra income? Were you doing it just because it was a fun new experience? I would say underlying profit, right? We knew we weren't going to make a lot of money, but we wanted to buy properties to rent out. We knew that that was our end goal. So this was kind of a way to get into it. And also we were in our mid twenties. We were like, why not meet new people kind of thing? So yes, it was profitable. However, not a ton, especially when you're renting like one bedroom in your own house. Like we had a a limit of two people. So, I mean, yeah, we made a couple hundred bucks, you know, a month, but it was still a couple hundred bucks more than, than we had before. And then saving that money to there invest in the future. So yes, profitable and fun. We had a good time. Met a lot of cool people. That's nice. I, you know, I've, I've tried to convince my wife many a times uh, and I've spun it in many ways. Hey, you know, we should, we have a, we have a downstairs basement. You know, and, and I, I get I get shut down very quickly. I've also, you know, I even when we were getting ready to move, I even did the whole let's do the burr method. You know, let's buy something and we'll live. And uh, I mean, I just get the the eyes of no, 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 no. Well, <laughs> so, I totally feel her because when we moved into our house here in the Atlanta area, we had this huge basement, and we were like, okay, we've got to renovate this and rent it out. And then I got cold feet. I was like. No, but it's our basement and we're going to, you know, we have a son now and we're going to have another kid. And and my husband's like, well, we don't need that space. And I was like, all right, well, we'll just do it for a little while. You know, three years later, we're still <laughs> renting out our basement. But it's, you know, it's, I think it takes some time to wrap your head around. But once you have that income, that passive income that we're not working a whole lot for, it's like hard to let that up. So... So you're, you are still currently renting out your basement? We do. So that was a, a COVID thing. We we moved from Charlotte and started renting our basement. We actually had to renovate it. So we immediately dropped some money into renovations. But once it was up and running, we did Airbnb again. You know, that was our short-term rental of choice. We got into VRBO and other platforms later. and And we had some really cool people rent down there. And then COVID. And it was like, we got these cancellations and we're like, oh my gosh, what's happening? Do we want people in our house? Like, even though we'd have no interaction with them in our basement, they have a private entrance. It's a whole kitchen. It's a full mother-in-law suite. We still were kind of sketched out, but we had these current guests that wanted to stay in that extra couple of weeks. And I was like, would you guys like want to stay on a month to month basis? And those have been our same renters since COVID. And they are phenomenal people. And we have gotten so lucky. And we've just kept that short-term rental because we're loud. We have, you know, kids, we sit around, like, you know, I don't want to deal with like trying to explain to short-term renters, like, and you're going to hear us upstairs all the time, you know? And so it's worked out really well. Um, I think there's a time and a place for long-term renters and a time and a place for short-term renters. And this has been a really great in-between for us. So. Well, you know, I, and, you know, I give you props for being able to, you know, pivot and manage during COVID because COVID put a lot of short-term rentals out of business. And for you to think on your feet and say, hey, you know what, the you know, the short-term rental in our basement, maybe we should find a, a slightly new business model and you yeah. know within the long term, I think is brilliant. So, you know, that's that, that says a lot about you guys. Uh, you know, the other thing is is you know, you you got into your um your short-term rentals in Pensacola, Florida during COVID, yes. which I think is just fantastic because you know, where most people might look at everything and say, Oh, there, there's danger ahead. What's the market gonna look like? You know, you and your husband saw opportunity. And I think that says a lot, you know, and I feel, I feel like as nurses and as advanced practice nurses, we're always, we're, we're always kind of like, let's put ourselves out there. Let's, you know, let's try to find opportunity and to find a silver lining in any situation. And, you know, I feel like you guys definitely did. So you have three properties in Pensacola, Florida in two years. That's very, very impressive. I think pretty much all of our listeners that want short-term rentals or want properties would love to say, I've got three properties in two years. Yeah. 
Now, tell me a little bit about your, your Pensacola, Florida properties. Like, how did you pick the market? You know, and there's a lot of coastline in the U.S. So why Pensacola? So we've been traveling to Pensacola for years. My sister moved there over 10 years ago with her then boyfriend, now husband. And it's having a beach property can be very seasonal. And so we were intimidated about having a beach property because there's high, you know, high insurance and, you know, I didn't want to have, you know, four to six months of the year without hardly any renters. But Pensacola is unique because it has a really strong Navy influence, Air Force influence. I mean, we get half of our people there for weddings, business, conventions. There's a huge convention center. So Pensacola is a lot more than just a beach. It is, you know, so much going on in that one little city or big city, I should say. So that's kind of why we chose Pensacola. And then, you know, the whole three properties in two years was... Part luck, part hard work, right? Like a lot of things in life. And we, we're not big spenders. Like we don't drive fancy cars. Like I don't get my nails done. They're, they're basic, you know, like we, we just don't spend a lot of money on frivolous things. You know, people have their things. Some people having a nice car, that's their thing. That's not my thing. So we were able to save a lot of money, both from our Charlotte renting, our basement renting, you know, bonuses through work. And also my husband and I both are in careers, of course, healthcare, where we did not have any problems during COVID, right? In fact, more demand than anything. So we were able to use that money, invest in properties. And that's, you know, Pensacola was an easy, obvious choice just because of the amount we travel there, the people we know there, the infrastructure we were able to put into place. But yeah, it's funny you talk about we don't we don't do our nails and have all these nice things. You know, as the advanced practice nurses, we make a little bit more than the average, you know, medical provider and lifestyle creep happens, you know. And I, I cannot tell you how many times I've sat in rooms with CRNAs and they're telling me about these houses that they're buying, like they're their primary residence. And, you know, and I'm like, I'm sitting there going, wow, I'm like, you work overtime almost every day already just to make ends meet. And I'm like, and you're Oh my gosh, you're going to be house poor, and they and they're just like, ah, it'll be fine. The overtime will always be there, and I'm like, guys, like you know, you want to live like that? It's not like that. That's a that's a scary thing, you know. So I think it's interesting you talk about, you know, we we sacrifice a little bit now to provide for ourselves later because I'm very much in the same boat. You know, I don't have the fanciest car. I you know I don't have the fanciest anything, but I sacrifice. I put aside and I invest for the future, and you know, so that way I'm hoping. I think you know you're in the same boat to where. 10 years down the road, we can start pulling back and going, okay, well, let's, let's focus more on our passion projects and let's work for fun. You know, I could take that, I could take that teaching job that doesn't pay very well because I, I enjoy teaching it. It's good for your soul. So I think, you know, I, you know, you, you laid the foundation for the future today. Absolutely. Uh, and, and, you know, I am also a bit of a travel junkie. And so I'm always thinking like, do I want to buy this nice new XYZ or do I want to put more money toward travel? So how can I optimize that? And, you know, we get into, this could be a whole nother podcast. Like I get into like the credit card games and like, how can I use points to travel? So I think just making smart financial decisions is so important. And I don't care about having the fanciest things. I care about that financial freedom. So. Yeah, but same here. So does your properties have any fancy fun names or are they just. (laughs) So I feel like it's very market specific for having names. So like in. Mountain properties, they always have these really cute names, like your properties are really cute names, you know, but in the, in the beach market, I just found that having a cute name wasn't, or like a fun, catchy name wasn't as good as a descriptive name. So my, my properties are more descriptive and I feel like you have to have a bit of a hook. So you have to have something that's catchy and our catchy thing is just being 
close to downtown, but not being in downtown. So you can walk to downtown, but you're not going to hear all the noise and the hustle and the bustle. So I feel like we didn't go with a catchy name because of that. We were descriptive. So people could zone in on that when they're searching for us. And then our overall name is Next Line Properties. So Next Line Properties is our LLC. That's our company. Those are our properties, as well as, you know, as we grow and continue to take on other people's properties, that's kind of our, our goal is to manage other people's properties in addition to ours. That Next Line Properties is what we're going with for our name. So once you search that name, then you'll kind of see the properties under that. Oh, perfect. Perfect. Okay. So are you currently managing anybody else's property aside from yours? It literally, if you would ask me a month from now, yes, we are in the in the works. We've got some um, potential stuff on the east coast of um, the Carolinas, just because we live there. We have friends there. Um, we've got some people. A lot of times, it's just people like that want to invest, like friends we have or people we know. But they don't want the 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 all the stuff to do. They want somebody to manage it. They just want to have an investment and be hands off. And so we have about three people we're working with now that we're going to be managing their properties in the next few months in addition to our own. So I'm excited about that. Fantastic. So I guess for those of our listeners that don't know much about property management, can we give them a ballpark? So like for instance, long-term rentals, property management typically goes 8% to 12% plus or minus the first month's rent. What about for beach properties? Because I know mountain properties, property management typically takes about 30 to 35% off the top. But the the benefit of having the property management, you know, you're not having to do all the hard work yourself. And a good property manager typically drives, you know, more bookings for you. So they pay for themselves, essentially. Exactly. What what does a beach property manager, I guess, ballpark look like? So, yeah, we've done kind of done our research in the area and you'll see some as low as 10, although it's not common. 20 to 25 is pretty, pretty standard in our area. And and depending on what who you're going with and what you're doing, that can include everything or it can include like everything but a cleaner. I think the cleaning piece is, is really crucial. So I would say probably that 20 to 25 range is what you're looking at near the beach. Yeah. And then, you know, since you're a friend of the show, when I buy my beach property, I get the like the sweetheart 7% deal, right? <laughs> Absolutely. And, you know, I think, I think that when you look at these percentages, it, it can be dynamic based on people's needs. Having a flat rate, like if you look at some of the bigger property management companies, they don't post their percentage, you know, because it, it depends on the market. It depends on the people. It depends on the needs. So I do think it is a little dynamic for sure. I agree. So so three properties. Did you buy these in cash? Did you take any special loans? Were they personal loans, business loans? How did you go about financing them? So, you know, again, we kind of used our initial income that we had saved from both renting our basement and our house in Charlotte to do personal loans. So they're all loans. They're all 30-year fixed mortgages. We had a phenomenal um, mortgage lender, Rick Melville. Anybody needs a property in Florida? He's the best. He even sends us little birthday videos. Like, it's hilarious. He's like, happy birthday from Rick. And it's like a little literal video. He's the best. So they're all personal loans, 30 years fixed. And we did 20% down on all of them. And I don't want to say that with making people think that they have to do that because we were able to avoid that PMI. We did. But honestly, you would still, in a lot of markets, be profitable, even if you didn't put 20% down. So I don't want that to intimidate people. We were able to, and we wanted to, and we did, but it's not a must. So, Well, a beach, a beach property is something that I'm very interested in in the next you know, four years or so. And I personally had a hard time making the numbers work on my spreadsheet. So we, we may be talking and you may be showing me your tips and tricks on how to Yeah. I think the market that you choose is crucial again, because Pensacola, I'm getting people booking in November, December, January that are there for conventions. They're there for business. They're there for other reasons. 
and still the beach, you know? So I think that if you choose a, a property that is, you know, not got a whole lot else going on, you know, but you might make more money during those summer months that, that compensates, but the cash flow thing, you know, you really got to be able to figure out if you're okay with not making even half of that maybe in the off season. So yeah, the beach property is tough, but I think if you choose the right place, it can be worth it. It's funny because that's actually something I've been looking into. I've been looking into Daytona because they have, you know, bike week, they have a handful of conventions. So many things. So, yeah. so, um, Daytona, Tampa, Daytona. Tampa's another one to think about. Yeah. Daytona, Daytona's a, a, a pricey one, but like not not quite as bad as some of the other places. I've been I've been looking all over. I might have, I might have to do a little Zillow of Pensacola and see what they got down there. They, oh my gosh, I will say though, the supply has gone up. When we started a couple of years ago, I mean, I could count on two hands, maybe in our little area bubble, how many properties were there. And it has like gone like there. People, people wanted to jump on that short term rental game when it was peaking. And now we're seeing them, some of them transition to long term rentals, some of them, you know, selling. So it just depends on the well, area. Yeah. Even even my my vacation rental in Blue Ridge Mountains, like, you know, I'm watching bookings slowly decline a little bit because I mean, it, it, these areas are just getting saturated. You know, you have all these hot beach areas or mountain areas. Yeah. Like, you know, you got Arizona, you know, you have the Bourbon Trail, you have, you know, different parts of Florida where everybody just says, oh, these are great short-term rentals and they're getting saturated. You know, my, my, my interesting question is going to be, you know, we have this kind of recession going on. I'm, is everybody going to be able to weather the storm? Because I, I think the next, yeah, I think the next year to two years might be a little tough. Yeah, which... I think that people that are in it for a quick buck are probably going to come out of it. I think people that are in it for the long haul, that are in it for the, you know, like you and I, and and probably a lot of people listening to this podcast, those are the people that are going to stick with it. You know, I do think that we're going to see. Of a, a leveling, maybe, maybe it's not going to go as, as peak as it was a few years ago, but I think we'll see a leveling. And if you can be smart with your money and smart with your, you know, short-term rentals and put money into them in a smart way, like one of the best things we ever did was get professional photos. Why didn't I do that years ago? You know? So I think, you know, making smart decisions will help keep more people in the game. But I think those people with a quick buck, they're going to drop out. So, you know, and honestly, like I I feel very similar because you can count on one hand how many overnight millionaires there really are. And people come to me all the time, which is funny that that people come to you for advice on things. You're like, man, sometimes I think I know something, right? And and they ask me, like, man, I had this great business idea. And one of my kind of jokes, but I'm serious, is, oh, excellent. You know, make a pro forma, find out all the details, you know, here's some questions to think about, and come back to me in six months with this business idea. Yeah. And And I say six months because, I'm like, when you have a business plan, when you have something that you're trying to do like this, you need to love it. You know, I love, I love real estate. I love the short-term rentals. I love my long term. Yeah. It's fun. Yes. But this isn't something that you're just going to put out there million dollars in two weeks. I'm like, come back in six months. Because if you come back in six months, you at least have had a passion for it. And yes. you're, at least it has your, you know, your, your interest for a while. It's something that you're not just going to, you know, have it and then forget about it. That's such a good idea. Yeah. Cause you do. So I do feel like people get these wild hairs like, Oh, I got this money and I'm going to do this. And then they aren't really thinking it through. So that's, that's, that's smart of you. I, I even do that with my things. It's funny. Cause like I have a, I have a million business ideas, you know, and I literally have a file on my computer where I'll put them down and I'll, I'll do research and I'll come back to them. And it's funny, just even with myself, like I have my six month rule where I'm like, ah, I don't know, after six months, you know, and, and, but after six months, I'm like, man, I really like this idea. It's something that I actually consider, consider, you know, pursuing further. Yes. 
But like I said, you, got, you, got, you have to love what you do because you're going to be with it for a long time, especially if it's successful and right. if it's not successful for that matter. <laughs> and I mean, buying a home is no, you know, small endeavor, no matter what size, it's, it's a big deal. So I think you do want to love it to go through all of the hurdles of, you know, getting the mortgage or whatever and, and putting yourself out there. You got to love it. That's going to do it for today's show. And I don't know about you, but I'm excited to continue listening to this conversation. So make sure you check out part two next week with Matthew and Naomi. Now, if you'd like to learn more about Naomi's journey, make sure you also check out her contact info in the show notes. Until next time, stay safe and take care of each other out there. Thank you so much for joining me for another episode of the Plan B CRNA podcast. If you haven't already subscribed and reviewed the show, I'd be honored if you took the extra time. It really helps to expand our reach and get the word out about the show. If you're a CRNA who is interested in sharing your story on our podcast, I'd love to have you. Please email me at bobby at oncallinvestments.com for more information. This episode was brought to you by OnCall Capital. They are dedicated to helping providers like you develop passive income and generational wealth through investments in the apartment and alternative investment spaces feel free to check out their website at www.oncallinvestments.com and subscribe to their free educational email series. You can find On Call Capital on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can also check out our YouTube page, where you'll find all of the show episodes along with other educational videos. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you on the next episode.